Comet in your head. Season two. I love, I love your vibes tonight. Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome to Aquarius Behavior, a best friends podcast. I'm your co-host, Morgan. And I'm your co-host, Samantha. We invite you to hang out with us each Wednesday to take in some chaotic storytelling, low-key learning, and high-quality audio. That's the iPod promise. Today is the fourth Wednesday of the month, which means it is a book nook episode. Yes. And today we're talking... Northanger Abbey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, okay. I cannot wait. So, it's not that I procrastinated. I planned to. I've had a very busy two weeks. It's just been a lot happening. Uh, and so I planned to listen to my half of the novel this morning, which I did. <laughs> I did. I planned. You are a champion. Yeah, I planned. Outstanding. Set aside four hours, and I planned to do, you know, some different chores around the house. So I did some gardening this morning, and I uh, started to reorganize things in my house uh, to set aside for a very important party that I'm Mm. throwing Mm. in a week. Oh yes. Uh, And so that was lots of fun. And you just crammed it. Yeah. And like, it was awesome. (laughs) I had the opposite journey. Okay. I listened to it the first half three times over the last two weeks because I just couldn't with some of these characters. (laughs) And I really wanted to cement some of the outrageous performances (laughs) in my mind. So that, you know, we had just some nice working knowledge. It's a very short book, but a lot happens. Yes. A lot happens in Northanger Abbey in the first half. Yeah. And so, yeah, I chewed on it for like, you know, the time allotted, two weeks or whatever. It It <laughs> is a very quick, it's, yeah, it has a quick pace to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bopping around real I, fast. I thought that too. There's not as much character development with everybody either as there are with, the previous novels we've read, and especially coming after Emma, this is such a different tone. It is. And we know that this was written earlier and purchased by a bookseller, <laughs> right? There's, would you like to, because you Samantha. read it, you read it in one of the previous episodes, but the order that this was written in, I did think that that was interesting. And I want to know more about. Because the character development is not there. It's like the reader, you can see the character mm-hmm. through like their first couple sentences. It's like, oh, yes, <laughs> there's this character. Here we go. So let's get into it, Morgan. Let's talk about how this history, history, history. Okay, well, this is super fun to know how you took in this book because it is very different from how I just took in this book where I've just, I just binged this completely all today, literally within the last 12 hours. Yeah, dude. And so I have just been riding on an Austin high today and I have four pages of notes. I kind of, it's like my dream journal. And I just write down, sometimes it's sentences, there's like bullet points, sometimes it's just stars and keywords that made me feel things. 
I love that because I did something a little bit different this time. <laughs> what did with, you do? Dude, I wrote directly <laughs> into my book. What? I just like scribbled all over it. I circled characters' names. I'm just like, because sometimes I try to like have a list on the side and whatever, but then I'm also like reading and sometimes it's a lot of back and forth and it's like, you know what? Scribble, scribble, scribble so that I'll just know what the heck we were talking about next time we... Because there's going to be a next time. But next time that we look at it, because... Yes. So I scribbled all up in my book. And so I love that you have four pages of stuff. And it's like, I I scribbled all over nine sections. Nine. (gasps) So if we get to all nine sections, cool. But we may not. I love... We'll find out. I love the structure that you bring to these episodes. And this is incredible because I'm just in awe of the step that you've taken forward in your note-taking. Because... You typically have things dog-eared or there's post-its that go on in your book. And then you come, we've post, literally posted pictures of it on our Instagram of you and all of your post-its. Just all the bits. Of all the bits. Mm -hmm. This is exciting. Oh my goodness. It's like this is a professional podcast. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I don't know if I go that far, but like, wow, yeah, look at all this research. Look at all these thoughts. Oh, my God. Look at our pages of thoughts and scribbles. This is what the people come here for, Morgan. Okay. So tell me about the history yeah. and what we know about the, be- like, the origin. Yes. So, and, and if you're new to Aquarius Behavior or this is the first book nook that you're listening to, welcome. Welcome. You've gotten this far. Keep going. Mm-hmm. See how it pans out. Yeah. It's going to be cozy. Uh, yeah. And so we're going to talk about a Jane Austen novel that we are reading for the first time, Northanger Abbey. Typically in Book Nook, we like to talk a little bit about the history of the novel, how it came to be, something about the author. And then we're just going to dive in. This is a podcast of chaotic storytelling and so we don't work in a linear fashion and sometimes we're going to talk about characters or plot points sometimes we're just going to talk about feelings vibes vibes of the book Mm -hmm. uh themes so parallels if you haven't read these books it's okay uh if you have you may get a lot more of the references but either way just we're here to have fun Mm -hmm. no one knows what we're talking about i hope that book nook for people who haven't read these books, that it makes it feel a little bit more approachable. Because sometimes just getting into the cadence or the how the author presents the story and how the conversations are structured. It's different. It's not like how we talk now. Yeah. It's very uh, affected and very proper. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes when people open that up and it's just... Mr. Allen and Mr. Thorpe and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, how do you keep these characters straight when there's not a lot of physical descriptions? Anyway, we've already veered. Get back. Get back to the beginning. Okay. This is so typical. (laughs) It's fine. You were giving me time to eat my peanut butter cup. I saw you and I didn't know if you were going to go for an ASMR moment, but it's it's a Reese's Thins and it's just kind of soft. It's not really going to be making a lot of noise. You know? The checkout line at the grocery store got to me and I treated myself. <laughs> so I've got two peanut butter cups on mm-hmm. top of my bevy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What do you have in your bevy today? Mm. Water. Agua. Hydrating. Mm-hmm. What are you rocking it's today? The changing of the seasons. Oh, I'm three drinks, Samantha, over here. Mm-hmm. We have a still water. 
because all of my ice has melted in my water bottle. And then I got a little hydrating bottle beverage. And then I got a Mountain Dew. Don't tell Mountain Dew. A Mountain Dew Zero. It's not a Diet Mountain Dew. But it's a Diet Mountain Or it's a Mountain Dew Zero. So keeping the flavor and the vibes. You know, I just I had to go there. It has a little bit more caffeine than regular Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) Regular Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) Maximum caffeination tonight. (laughs) Yeah. So... Um, mm. let's get into it. Okay, let's do it. Also, this is an explicit episode. Typically, we're not, but let's fucking go, let's man. Get let's in go. It. All right, so Northanger Abbey, let's talk about this. So, Whew. this was actually the first novel that Austin wrote. It was her first completed novel. That makes sense. Yep, which she completed in 1803. That's really interesting. It originally was mm. titled Susan. <laughs> Okay, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, you know what? She came out with her Emma. Like, that is the only other uh, one named after. But do we even know uh, a character named Susan yet? I can't remember, even though I've listened to I, it three times. So that means probably no. Because I know that there's a Sally. I haven't met a, a Susan yet. This is why mm. I'm, I don't understand. Uh, okay. Continue, continue. Uh, I know. It's a mystery. So, uh. Austin sold the novel to a publisher for 10 pounds. Yeah. So this was in 1803. But the publisher actually never published it. So it just sat on the shelves. They didn't do anything with the story. And so in 1816, Austin's brother, Henry, actually bought back the rights to the book. Aw. Yes. Aw. So Austin got her novel back. She had the rights. She revised the novel then before her death. And so while she was ill, she worked on it. Interesting. So it's kind of like a bookend to her work. Ooh, I just got chills. Her first novel that she completed. Right. I know. So that, like, in general, yeah, really hit me. Especially because this this book is so different from her other works. And we're going to get into it. But I'm just. <laughs> but why, Morgan? Why oh, is it? For just- <laughs> so many reasons. And so this kind of when I heard this, it, it made a lot of sense to me uh, as I've been reading this book. And it doesn't really feel like an Austin novel to me. <laughs> is that yes. weird to say? Does anybody else feel like that? Have you l- listened to this? I don't know. Any Austin folk out there? It just doesn't feel like an Austin novel to me. Because normally our structure, right, of our Austin book, we're dropped in to meet the history of the family, meet the family, meet the heroine, and, like, stay very outside and participatory in, like, the goings on about town and mm-hmm. about the city. And this is much more of a like microclimate of like <laughs> it's like a one act play, but not. It's just like it's a bubble episode. It's a bubble episode. That's ex- it's it's not a bubble it's episode. A bubble it's, bubble. It's, it's a bottle episode, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> yes, it is a bubble episode. It's a bubble episode. Duh, duh. Wait, outstanding. Wait, what is the meaning of? bottle episode is it because i know it means like 
everybody's in one space together and it's very focused. But why is it called that? I imagine them being st- <laughs> stuck in a bottle. But like a that- tiny ship. <laughs> That's what my imagination is doing. Is that what it means? So I do not know. Or is that a stupid question? No, it's not a stupid question. <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway, regardless. I have just <laughs> always thought of it as like a one setting play or a one act play. A one yeah. movement mm-hmm. piece. Yes. But I do not know the origin of bottle episode. <laughs> or bubble episode. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it's, this is too much. Okay. All right. We got to listening to you know, please tell us. <laughs> okay. Got to keep going, Morgan. All right. All right. So, <laughs> so this is all what's happening, right? So Jane Austen is ill. She is working on this novel. Mm-hmm. And then she passes. Her brother then retitles the novel Northanger Abbey. <gasps> so she didn't even title it. Well, what? Yeah. I don't know how that came about. Like, I don't know if it's just he totally chose that or if maybe Jane had conversations with him. So I don't know that specific, like the specifics of it, but he was after her death, the one who actually titled the work looked at it and said, OK, Susan. he was he was the decision uh. maker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So he was the decision maker in the end. Um, and then he was the one who then pursued to publish the novel. Okay. So Henry, thanks, man. Like, what a really great brother. Way to follow through. Yes. Uh, help keep your siblings' uh, legacy alive. And yes. Especially because, really, her works didn't gain so much traction until after her death. Correct. Correct. And actually. I'm so glad you said that, <clears throat> Samantha. I'm so glad you said that because... I'm going to just sit back and open my drink okay. and just listen to you okay. tell me the rest of these facts. Okay, so this is another thing I found haunting. So Northanger Abbey, when Henry published the novel, the novel contained a preface that identified Jane Austen as the author of the book along with all of her previous works, Mm -hmm. which was significant because up until then, she was essentially a nameless author. Usually things were published at this time. By a lady. Yes, it was like, by a lady or written by a woman. Mm, And a woman. (laughs) So like, (laughs) this was the stuff. Or it was a lot of women who were publishing novels under male pseudonyms. Hot. And so... Uh, it, there was a lot of that going on. So this was also significant because, you know, Henry made that happen for Jane. And I think that is such a beautiful way to really enter this novel and start reading it is to think about that and how this was really honoring like his way to honor his sister after her death. And also this novel is just so weird it's it's just weird and it's so funny oh my gosh it's funny it's cheeky and funny and it is <gasps> cheeky okay that's why there's nine stupid parts in my book okay so um i hope that you will be pleased to know that this novel is known for being 
a gothic satire. Oh. And so, like... Oh, that's so hot right now, Morgan. Ooh, we're coming up on spooky season. We are coming up on spooky season. It's so perfectly timed, Mm -hmm. and I just can't even. Uh, So here we are at spooky season reading this book. Um, And so... It is like all of that, what you were just saying and kind of picking up on, like how this is a satire. It is cheeky. Uh, the narration is is just like sassy and it's overly dramatic. It's kind of like it's, it reads like a soap opera, I think. Like that's what I get from it. <laughs> like there's, it's the most mundane events. And like no one is a danger. This like the intro to this novel literally talks about Catherine, our protagonist slash heroine, as like just the most ordinary person. And like her mom has ten children, and the narration says like, oh, she should have died probably, but she didn't, and she's still kicking, and she's still making it happen, and like everyone's happy and. Let me real quick read you this part that it has. It's right at the first page. First page. Bottom of the page. I just love how we rock right into, okay, here is our main character. Buckle up, Morgan. This is the description we get. Mm -hmm. It says, her abilities were quite as extraordinary. She never could learn or understand anything before she was taught. And sometimes not even then. For she was often inattentive and occasionally stupid. Her mother was three months in teaching her only to repeat the beggar's petition. And, after all, her next sister Sally could say it better than she did. Not that Catherine was always stupid, by no means. (laughs) I felt so attacked right here on this first page. like Because this is when she's like, what, ten and it's oh talking gosh. about how, you know, what her um, hobbies are and, like, how she has a thin, awkward figure, sallow skin. Um, I My audiobook, it says dark, lank hair in the book. But my author, I thought that it said dark leg hair, and I burst out <laughs> laughing. I ran over to my book to circle, and I was like, oh, it says lank hair. Okay, never mind. But I was like, dark leg hair. Jane, the scandal. <laughs> the scandal. Scandal. Who's so, showing her legs? We just get a very humanized heroine right at the beginning. Like, look at this chick. She's Here's... so ordinary. She's so ordinary. But then the narrator goes on to say, okay, she's just so ordinary, but oh, from the ages of 15 to 17, she'll be training as a heroine. And it's like, she has this great destiny. <laughs> the super ordinary person and it's like oh my god she's going on a quest she's going on a quest yeah uh, to bath she's going on a quest to bath her complexion improved her features were softened by plumpness and color her eyes gained more animation and her figure more consequence her love of dirt gave way to an inclination of finery and she grew clean as she grew smart and And now the pleasure of sometimes hearing her father and mother remark on her personal improvement. Catherine grows quite a good-looking girl. She is almost pretty today, were words which caught her ears now and then. And how welcome were those sounds. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
So we have a young woman on the cusp of adulthood, and this is the society that she's being brought up in. It's just, it's all very surface and not expecting much from her because she is one of 10 children. Yes. But also... What are the opportunities? This is what it's talking about in this chapter. What are the opportunities for a woman like this? I think that they say that there's 40 families in the village or something like, or in the town where they live in the country. Yes. This is another country family. And she's going to be going to the big city. She's going to the big city. She got an invitation from friends and neighbors. (laughs) Alan's neighbors. Uh, so I just, yeah, I love the opening of this novel and the introduction of this character because, again, it just this is a short novel and things move fast, and so there's no buildup to her character. We don't get a lot of, uh, you know, lengthy prose exposition, like I'm used to and exposition. Monologue. Yes, and so we're not. I'm not seeing that. Which so it was interesting to find out that this was actually the first novel that she ever wrote because it's and but it's funny too and you're right it doesn't have that detail about law and societal rules of the time the inheritance yeah they mention it but it's like not the main focus of mm-hmm. this is really about a woman learning well I have a lot of feelings but. This is this is a young woman who gets to gets to learn a lot about what what is the kind of person she's going to be mm-hmm. because I feel like this book is almost a love story to literature. Oh my god, oh. yes, oh. that is a beautiful way to put it. Mm. I love how you said that. Yes, and I wanted to just read this one part because we're talking about how she's a heroine in training, and I think you said this, but. Mm-hmm. From 15 to 17, she was in training for a heroine. She read all such works as heroines must read to supply their memories with those quotations, which are so serviceable and so soothing in the vicissitudes of their eventful lives. From Pope, she learned to censure those who bear about the mockery of woe. From Gray, that many a flower is born to blush unseen and waste its fragrance on the desert air from Thompson, that it is a delightful task to teach the young idea how to shoot. And from Shakespeare, she gained a great store of information amongst the rest that trifles light as air are to the jealous confirmation strong as proofs of holy writ. Mm. I love Catherine. She just, I think she is so fun. I get that she's, she's so ordinary. Well, but she's so well read. She is yes. like eating. So it's like this is saying like she's just so freaking normal and she's just about to be an adult. But she's like gobbling up as much like novel and literature as she can. Mm-hmm. She's a sponge. She's a sponge. Yes. And it's her imagination. Because, okay, so this, I mean, that is, that's what we know of Catherine. Yeah, she lives in books. This whole book, it is so, it is just about the nerdiest bookworms. Like, it is. It's totally a love letter to literature and just loving books. And there's so much, there's so many kind of, like, inside jokes about books. And also there's a lot of books mentioned. It's very, like, meta where the characters are also talking about books. But in fact, all of the books mentioned 
in Northanger Abbey are real novels by real authors. That's so cool. That were actually published around the time. And so they would have been, when readers are reading Northanger Abbey, they're probably going to recognize those other books and those other authors, which also just like, again, makes this a very like meta book. It really like pulls you in where we have this fictitious story. It's very uh, fantastical in its narration with just all of the irony and the dripping sarcasm in this book. And (laughs) and so it's just, it has just like this such this like fantastical uh, flow and vibe to it. But also there's these elements from the real world that just like really sucked me in as the reader. Um, and and I didn't understand that they were real, but I was curious. And so that I looked it up and that's how I found out. <laughs> Chaotic storytelling Amazing. moment. I need to have a moment. Okay. <laughs> you know, in Twilight, when Bella's reading Wuthering Heights in the backyard and it's like talking about Heathcliff and Catherine and all of that. And I'm just like, oh, Wuthering Heights, that's, that's a good book. And then I was like, oh, it's a real book. I love that she, because it makes me want to be into the books that the characters are into. Because mm-hmm. now I want to read, we talk about a bunch of books, but Udol- Udolfo is one of them that's mentioned over and over and over again. And I'm like, well, what's that about? What, but what are these about? It makes me curious to pursue other types of literature. Mm-hmm. So boop, boop on Jane. Okay, well, great. I want to segue into that. Yeah, and um Because here's the thing. We need to spend a lengthy amount of this podcast up front explaining this history because this, knowing this and the tone of this novel and like the background behind it, and why it would have been funny to readers at the time is so important for our context as we move forward to talk about just like the characters in general and what they're doing. Perfect. So let's do it. We're going to do it. Okay. So here is a list of the novels that are mentioned by Catherine or Isabella uh, or Henry. John. Maybe John. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sally. Is he a fuck boy? Hmm. Oh, the polls to are open. Deter- polls to are be determined. Open. <laughs> it's bets are coming in though. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even gotten there. Okay. More. Okay. Go. So let's talk about this. So this novel. Um, okay. So as we started going in, I no- started noticing a theme of just macabre and kind of spooky things. Like Catherine is really into gothic romance novels and mysteries and that's what propels her to start this friendship with Isabella is they meet and they're talking about and they're like oh my gosh I love murder mysteries too oh my god did you read the latest one oh it's so scary <laughs> it's so I love it so like, they're just fast friends it's like oh you like this thing okay me I like this thing you want to be friends okay cool 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 cool, cool. which and I'm also related to we're in the Regency era so there's yeah. nothing nothing in there not to do yeah I think they were like you know the goth kids mm-hmm. in middle school yes. it was like Catherine and Isabella yes. they're like over there and they're Dark Hot Topic outfits, sweatshirts, yes. and they're reading their creepy books. Oh, wearing my Jinko jeans. <laughs> I seriously think so, and my I love that. Long and dark. Yeah, maybe with dyed tips. Dark past. <laughs> Purple tips. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as that's all happening, it was 
it was funny. And then I started to see that theme of like, okay, now we're talking a lot about these macabre things. And like, we are talking about murder and we're describing like horror books and we're talking about them and reading about them. And it was interesting. And so then looked up this list. So um, I'm going to read kind of the general ones. And then we're going to talk a little bit specifically about the mysteries of Udolfo, which you mentioned, because that is the big one that carries through in this novel. Great, because I have like three quotes for it. So <gasps> goodness. Lingo. Yes. Mm, all right. Da, 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 da. Love book nook. Okay. So here are the novels. Castle of Wolfenbach by Eliza Parsons. Claremont by Regina Maria Roach, The Mysterious Warning, A German Tale, also by Eliza Parsons, The Necromancer, or The Tale of the Black Forest, by Lawrence Flemenberg, The Midnight Bell, by Francis Latham, The Orphan of Rhine, by Eleanor Sleeth, Horrid Mysteries, by Peter Will, and of course, the mysteries of Udolfo by Anne Radcliffe. I love that they call them horrid books. They're not horror books or <laughs> horror novels. They're horrid. It's going to be the most horrible yet. It's just a horrid book. It's <laughs> horrid stories. So, what is interesting about this is that when this novel was written in around 1803. You know, she started before that. So we can maybe assume, you know, 1800 to 1803 ballpark. And then it was published in 1817 in December. So the copyright page is going to say 1818. But it was actually late December. Remember we talked about this too? Our they theory. needed to do the paperwork over the holiday and they just couldn't yes. do it on December 25th because it was Christmas. They needed to wait until the next year. And their entire, <laughs> all the departments had PTO oh. and then it was a holiday. It was yep. a company holiday. Yep. And so just the paperwork got behind. Mm-hmm. And that was our theory. Exactly. In 1817. <laughs> okay. Lyrical. I love so much paper back then. That. All they had was paper, Morgan. <laughs> All they did business on was paper. So much paper. Oh my gosh, right. so much. <clears throat> so that's what was happening. So mm. what's fun about this list is that, first of all, like we talked about, all of these are real books and they are still in print. And so you could probably find them on Amazon or eBay or mm. whatever, mm. used bookstore. And so that's cool. The other thing I noticed, too, while looking at this is I listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books. And six of them are women. Written by ladies. And so that was also Mm -hmm. really interesting to me that we're reading Northanger Abbey and we are having conversations with these two female protagonists and they are all talking about these books that they're reading, which are also written by women. And that was just all very interesting. Like women starting to share their ideas. This was like very progressive for the time. And also like the whole kind of like horror genre was also fairly recent in like the mid 17 to late 1700s. So this was like the high school fad. 
Right. This was like silly bands. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this is something that was like probably wow. very edgy. Yeah. Like, you know, it has like all those young children with yeah. their horrid novels. Right. Like this is probably mm. like the, this is a genre that's been around for maybe like 50 years or so. Yeah. And it's a genre where we're starting to see females enter. And so like that's very interesting. The fact that there are women who can imagine like brutal mysterious macabre creepy stories this came from a woman's also, brain yeah like also very interesting mm -hmm. and so um that is all like percolating right in the first half of this book and and really leaning into really the tone of this novel and also like we've discussed that sassy narration oh, right that <laughs> i love the voice in this book it's so good <laughs> cheeky mm -hmm. just cheeky. cheeky um so i also um i wasn't gonna read the mysteries of udolfo maybe sometime i will uh but i did look up what it was would you tell us all collectively because as i mentioned yeah. it is we're gonna we're gonna come up on it a few times. Some mm -hmm. characters have all encountered this book. Mm -hmm. It's the talk of the town. It is. Bath oh is whisper, just whisper, whisper. a glow with everyone whispering about this book. Uh, so it is a newer book. It was written by Anne Radcliffe, and this is again a real book. And so I went and checked out some sources, like Wikipedia. Oh. Love good it. reads. Mm -hmm. I looked at Cliff Notes, but I didn't take anything from it. It just made me feel nostalgic for like high school years. <laughs> uh, loved it. Uh, and so this this novel, kind of the um, summary of it. So first off, I guess if you are interested in literature or know what you're talking about, maybe if you took like a college course in uh, gothic literature you would have definitely talked about and probably read this book because the mysteries of udolfo is like i guess known amongst uh literary folk as being like a quintessential gothic mm -hmm. romance novel uh, so it's yes. like this is kind of the novel that you would go to to just see all of the tropes and the themes that are present in gothic novels it's the specific flavor it is it mm -hmm. is the specific like this is the wow monument yeah. to the genre mm -hmm. um so the whole just really quick washed over uh description of this is the mysteries of udolfo centers around a female protagonist and it is a gothic romance and so we are uh, following this female protagonist along through love, loss, death, imprisonment in a creepy castle, Ooh. and solving a mystery about her past. Oh. So everything, her dark past. yeah, it's just all like very dramatic, yeah, uh, fast paced. Oh, a lot happens. Also, just imaginative <laughs> for the average reader of this yeah. time who does not have context for a lot of those moments of intrigue or yeah, mm -hmm. yep. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. And just very like dramatic, dangerous settings. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, we're in this creepy castle Intrigue. secluded and it's always raining and we can hear howls of wolves outside and <gasps> lightning strikes. Thunder, <laughs> <It's>, thunder, thunder. <laughs> I also had many visions of comparing this 
tone uh, the tone of this novel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I kept going, like, bouncing back and forth here because, like, the narrator reminded me of the narrator scenes in Rocky Horror. And then it's just the satire of, like, this is supposed to be a creepy horror movie, but it's just a parody. And <laughs> We're going to take a break and talk about it I and have even. a little bit of a moment of a laugh. Uh, the narrator is <sighs> going to look you dead in the eye and talk to you as the audience and be like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Just so silly. So uh, so that's what's going on here. And so uh, kind of like as I learned about that background and investigated a little further, it made sense to me the tone of the novel and even like how what was ha- how the events happening to our characters in Northanger Abbey like really mimicked what was going on in the mysteries of Udolfo and in like her mind and Catherine's mind. Like she's what an imaginative, creative person. I like love her. I identify with that though. Oh it's my God. like when you're in something, a show or a movie or a book or something mm-hmm. and it's like <gasps> your whole world just feels like what you're experiencing in there. Yes. You want to just be in that world so hard that you just immerse yourself in it and Mm -hmm. that's such a good point yeah Catherine is just like living her living her like spooky castle like adventuring heroine best life yes in bath yes yeah in the great city of bath (laughs) for the autumn season (laughs) very exciting for a country girl (laughs) oh my gosh so that's what's going on with all of the books, and you know how much I love a book within a book, or I was a play just within say, a book, or a play within a play. She or... has done this before in Mansfield <sighs> Park, is that she did a, a love it. play within a book, and it was also written by a lady, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, way mm-hmm. to call out those ladies. I love it. Look at artists supporting artists. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's also the other fun thing, is that if... You know, say you are a reader of Northanger Abbey in the year 1818 and you love to read and you've read a lot, you stay current uh, and you really are into gothic novels like you like a little bit of horror. uh, This book probably would have been hilarious to you. It's like it's like Cabin in the Woods. For horror fans. You get me? Yeah, I totally do. So I love that idea, you know, because I'm not familiar with these novels. No. But I, I'm i seeing it and I'm like appreciating I understand. what it probably would have been like for people. And also the fact that Jane Austen is just like nerdy bookworm herself. Like this is so cute. because can she's really just tell. It's an homage. Yes. It's a love letter to literature. Yes. She's just like referencing all the things that she loves as well and calling out to all her fellow nerds. 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 (laughs) All right. Is that the beginning of her book nook? (laughs) Nerds. It's the call of the nerds. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. So that's what we have going on here. That's what we've got going on and how we're entering Northanger Abbey. Right, 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 right. Just, 
I wasn't prepared for this. And I am I'm, so s- I'm you, just like so delighted. You binged this all today. So this is just like <laughs> so literally fresh. I woke up and I <laughs> filled up my water and then I started my book. And I was like, all right, we're just going to like Here ease into it. Yeah. Yep. Carried around my speaker with me and I like moved levels. <laughs> So I'm just, I'm a buzz. This is just, I, and then I, of course, like, went down some rabbit holes, as I do. Well, yeah, they start calling out all of these things, and it's like, I don't know, I don't, for me, it was like, I have no, t- even though I had, you know, weeks, it's like, I have no time to research mm-hmm. this stuff. I hope Morgan tells me. So thank you. Thank you for looking up, like, what those books were and why why they made it into the book and how they were the hot stuff of the time because that makes a lot of sense with what they got going on now. I hope that it lends to uh, us understanding and reading the second half of this. I don't even know what's going to happen. Because now I'm going to read it through that lens, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Uh, So last thing I want to talk about is the gothic horror genre, right? So, like, we are a little bit more familiar with that. I would say, like, more contemporary authors that we would think about when we think gothic novels. Um, Edgar Allan Poe. Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. uh, Mary Shelley. Ooh, nice one. uh, Also, Charles Dickens is considered, he wrote, like, you know, Oliver Twist. (laughs) It's a little bit more real world, but, like... Um, Christmas Carol. I mean, that's dark. Very gothic. And it's dark and it's kind of a little cheeky, just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's a lot of comedy in there. It's it's weird, you know? So those are contemporary artists. So if you're familiar with those, like, you get the gist of the genre. Uh, And so some main characteristics of gothic horror Mm -hmm. are a tone of fear, there's supernatural things happening, maybe hauntings, Ooh, or just like the okay. vibe of them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of spooky. It's spooky. Uh, some popular settings are going to be monasteries, convents, castles, crypts, graveyards, things that are abandoned, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, decrepit and starting to rot. It's old and it's haunted. It's old and haunted and misty. Old. There's creeping noises and creaking doors. Yes, exactly. And there's like going to be horrible events. You know, there's going to be people, there's going to be death. There's going to be murder, imprisonment, vengeful pursuits, um, really like dramatic things happening. There's going to be consequences. Oh my gosh. Conflict. Yeah. We're probably going to grow a little bit. Mm -hmm. That makes Uh, sense. So, you know, again, we're seeing a lot of those themes. Just again through the inner monologue, or just the conversations uh, between Catherine and Henry and Isabella as they talk about books they're reading, or just like they are such nerds. They're nerds, and they argue over grammar and vocabulary, and um, argue about books that each other are reading, or things that they liked or disliked, and. Oh my gosh, they have so many opinions. They're just obsessed with it, and it's so fun. <laughs> when people like to get together and yell about something, it's too much. And it's like when the thing is the talk of the town, and everyone has an opinion on it, but you need to be a nerd to have an opinion on it because not everyone is into reading novels. We find out. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love like that feeling of meeting somebody who shares your passion. Yes. And just I know that feeling of just like I completely light up, just like my whole chest expands and I'm surprised and there's a little bit of awe thinking, oh, my gosh, this person is going to speak the same language. And I am so interested to hear what they have to say. And yeah, just having so many specific opinions and feelings because this is a topic that you obsess over night and day. It cut. consumes yes. everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Oh my gosh. So so shall we meet some characters, Morgan? Oh my gosh, because you started please. talking about um I believe that you started talking about uh John Tilney. You mentioned, right? John Till- No, it's John, her brother. Oh, yes. John is Catherine's brother. Okay. What's, what's Tilney's uh, Oh, there's name? John Henry? Thorpe. Excuse me. James is Catherine's brother. Okay, so it is but John Tilney. there's John Thorpe oh, and Henry Tilney. Henry, okay. Yes, Henry and yeah. John are our main squeezes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is going to be our fuck boy. Yep. Henry, they said he's the hero. They're like, every heroine needs a hero. And that's him. <laughs> and they're dance partners. So let's talk about... Everybody's talking about them. Okay, let's talk I'm... about that moment. <laughs> he's a little... He needs to grow up a little. So I did uh, just a quick um, internet search, but a lot of these social moments take place in either the lower or the upper rooms, which was essentially a gathering house and bath. I took two minutes. That was the extent of my Google search. Comment below if you find out more information. But the whole like courting history and societal stuff, I don't know about all of the movement, but they spent a lot Mm -hmm. of the time in the upper and lower rooms. Okay. So, excuse me. Uh, This is just as Catherine meets him and we're getting her like first thoughts of Henry Tilney. Okay. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> After chatting some time on such manners as naturally arose from objects around them, he suddenly addressed her with, I have hitherto been very remiss, madam, in the proper attentions of a partner here. I have not yet asked you how long you have been in Bath, whether you were ever here before. Whether you have been to the upper rooms, the theater, and the concert, and how you like the place altogether. I have been very negligent of that trouble, sir. No trouble, I assure you, madam. Then, forming his features into a set smile, he affectedly softened his voice and added, with a simpering air, Have you been long in Bath, madam? About a week, sir, replied Catherine, trying not to laugh. Really? With affected astonishment. Why should you be surprised, sir? Why, indeed, said he, in his natural tone. But some emotion must appear to be raised by your reply, and surprises more easily assumed, and not less reasonable than any other. Now, let us go on. Were you never here before, madam? Never, sir. Indeed! Have you yet honored the upper rooms? Yes, sir. I was there last Monday. Have you been to the theater? Yes, sir. I was at the play on Tuesday. To the concert? Yes, sir. On Wednesday. And are you altogether pleased with Bath? Yes, I like it very well. Now I must give one smirk, and then we may be rational again. 
Catherine turned away her head, not knowing whether she might venture to laugh. I see what you think of me, said he gravely. I shall make but a poor figure in your journal tomorrow. <laughs> My journal? Yes, I know exactly what you will say. Friday, went to the lower rooms, wore my sprigged muslin robe with blue trimmings, plain black shoes, appeared to much advantage, but was strangely harassed by a queer, half-witted man who would make me dance with him and distressed me by his nonsense. Indeed, I shall say no such thing. Shall I tell you what you ought to say? If you please. I danced with a very agreeable young man, introduced by Mr. King, had a great deal of conversation with him, seems a most extraordinary genius. I hope I may know more of him. That, madam, is what I wish you to say. <gasps> um, hello. <laughs> Oh my god, I had to move my microphone away because I kept laughing. <laughs> it's just, your reading is perfect. That's how I literally what? read it in my brain. What just oh like self, like, what charisma? What like he knows he's hot shit, Henry Tilney just <laughs> chatting up Catherine and being like, I haven't asked you any of these things. Well, and he just puts on a little bit of a show and Catherine's just like, mm -hmm. what, what, this is just so much character and personality coming at me. She just doesn't she just doesn't know what to do with herself. Oh, my gosh. And like, oh, he, it's just very attractive. It's just very attractive. Why is he so attractive? I, I can't know. figure it out yet because he's such a dork. <laughs> But isn't that kind but of the he's point? He's so cute. I yes. was so attracted to him. It's because he's self assured. He's funny and he's mm -hmm. clever. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. I loved this whole meeting because, like, okay. So I specifically, when I was listening to this on Audible, wow. I was gardening this morning. And so I'm doing a very passive activity. I'm outside. We're, you know, at this cute little dance and we're meeting new people and all the characters are being introduced and I meet Henry for the first time and at first I'm listening to it and I'm picturing a Mr. Collins character the yes. way that he yes. is saying things uh -huh. it's just so like drawn out and just obnoxious and then it turns halfway through and all of a sudden yes. it gets funny and cheeky and, and cheeky <gasps> and flirty. And then I'm, I slowly realized it took me a little bit of time, but I slowly realized like, Oh my God, he's fucking with her. Yes. And she knows it. And he is just, he's being such, an, he's doing an impression of just like an obnoxious bath seasonal societal meeting Tourist like energy, yes. this and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden this became just the funniest meet cute to me and i was dying <laughs> just dying and so i immediately understood what was going on here and like his jokes is yeah he starts talking about like journaling and like oh all women do it and she's like I just imagine too her sitting there and just be like 
who is this dude? Like he's talking about my journey. <laughs> like this is doing? very intimate, but also <laughs> like, funny. And it's her first time in a big city, so I'm sure she's expecting. Like again, she reads a lot, and so she's expecting to be like swept off her feet at a ball and bath and fall madly in love. And she's looking for. She like notices. Oh, nobody has like a uh you know a ward or some sort of stepson or like a nephew to introduce me to it's just all very like normal and then there's this kid that like saddles up next to you and is just making a mockery of this whole visit you're in well then then what happens is they're dancing for a bit and then they are chatting and we find out that he actually has like working knowledge of lady things. Like he knows about muslin. He can like participate in a conversation with the other women. And then here's the other hot thing that happens, okay, mm-hmm. in this chapter that made me rush over to my book. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so they are just finishing talking about muslin and Miss mm-hmm. Allen is going on about dresses and how yep. she just loves all of her things. You know how expensive <laughs> my dress was? <laughs> Thank Mom. you. Oh, but yes. I got it at a bargain. <laughs> love a sale, love a deal. So it says, Mr. Tilney was polite enough to seem interested in what she said and she kept him on the subject of muslins until the dancing recommenced. Catherine feared, as she listened to their discourse, that he indulged himself a little too much with the foibles of others. <laughs> what are you thinking so earnestly? Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> I need to do my Henry voice. What are you thinking so earnestly? It's kind of like Knightley. Kind of. Yeah. What are you thinking so earnestly? Said he, as they walked back to the ballroom. Not of your partner, I hope. For by that shake of the head, your meditations are not satisfactory. Catherine colored and said, I was not thinking of anything. That is artful and deep, to be sure. But I had rather be told, I had rather be told at once that you will not tell me. Well, then, I will not. Thank you. For now, we shall soon be acquainted, as I am authorized to tease you on this subject whenever we meet, and nothing in the world advances intimacy so much. They danced again, and when the assembly closed, parted on the lady's side at least, with a strong inclination for continuing the acquaintance. I just love when he's just like, well, now I have to tease you. Now I have to talk to you. Now I need to get all up in your business. We're going to be friends real quick because you have given me authorization to mess with you. See you next time, Catherine. And then he pieces out. Yep. (sighs) It's just, it's such a friendly intimacy as well. Yeah, it is. It's just like he swoops in, dazzles her for a little bit, isn't yeah. threatening, isn't creepy, doesn't give her fuckboy vibes. And no. she, at one point she says, um, how can you, said Catherine, be so, she had almost said, strange. Like, everyone is just encountering things that they, Catherine's just seeing a whole new world. Yes. And she's also keeping her eyes open for her adventure. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's looking through her whole world with that lens, which is real fun. Yeah. And there's something, the thing that, there's something about Henry that is actually sincere. Mm-hmm. And so he does, he is a little bit of a know-it-all, a little bit, um, because he's so well-read. 
And so he reads a lot. And so he picks up all of these little tidbits. He also has a sister and he's actually interested and friends with his sister and is like, yeah, we go shopping together. And like, she'll ask me what I think. And I tell her and then she'll tell me what she thinks. And then we quarrel about it and whatever. So I appreciate that he is really it looks like he's really seeking to be on equal level with the women in his life and make sure that they know like hey i'm interested in what you know i want to have a conversation with you about it um without overshadowing things like yeah. i think of like mr collins <laughs> always i always think he's of mr collins the, yeah he's and not the star of the show mr no. collins is the star mr. of his yes one act play yes he is the leading man he never asked what people thought mm -mm. or he never engaged with them when they had opinions mm -hmm. it was just he would always stop it with well i think this and so let's just move on hey catherine de Burgh. oh mm -hmm. i know yeah. lady catherine de burgundy and so uh <laughs> i just yeah that whole meeting of meeting Henry for the first time and just like getting to know him a little bit more and talk about things and be like, dude, again, I just like I'm watching him like, what a weird dude. Like, who the fuck are you? And this Henry, tell me like what is like, surprising. Yeah. It's like any no other that we've had in any of these books. Mm -mm. All of our other leading men so far, if we're working with the situation that this is he, this is he, the leading yeah. man. They we've always just like been edged in and like Pride and Prejudice. It's a saucy comment from Mr. Darcy, but we don't get like a whole conversation that like illustrate. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> arguments could be made, but I feel like this is just such a friendly, approachable view that we're given mm -hmm. right away that we don't get in the other books. I agree. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree. Mm -hmm. All of our other uh, male protagonists have been just stronger personalities i think yeah i think so yeah and henry is just he's silly he's just a silly guy he's just a silly guy. he's just silly yeah and he's not taken himself or life too seriously mm -hmm. but he's just there he's just there to have a good time yeah. <laughs> and tease the hell out of Catherine. yeah that's that's <laughs> i think the thing that she's not used to even though she comes from a family of nine other siblings yes it's just and also teasing unexpected that like mm -hmm. you know she has been filling her time reading immersing herself in these romantic novels right where there's just like i said it, it kind of reads like a soap opera like everything's just so dramatic and so i imagine that she's going to bath expecting you know something just extravagant to happen to her like she's going on this journey she's gonna have adventure discovery she's on the verge of being a woman she might fall in love for the first time yeah. and all of her dreams are going to come true uh and then this is the guy she meets <laughs> not really like the heroic suave you know mr darcy <laughs> Riding in on a yeah, that we're yeah, gonna imagine knight in shining armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not it's not Mister Knightley. Mm -hmm. That's not who we're getting here. Nope. Henry is just he's silly man. He's a tigger if I ever saw one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. <laughs> yeah, he's a tigger. <laughs> hey, Abpod listeners, hope you're feeling groovy, and this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram? 
to see weekly episode updates and behind-the-scenes podcast pictures. Yeah, it's true. You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show. The next thing (sighs) that I have in my area that we need to talk about is Catherine's interactions with Mr. Thorpe. John Thorpe. Is he the fuck boy? Hmm. Um, Well, let me just Hmm. read this part real quick Mm. and you can tell me what your thoughts are so he has been all up in Catherine's business and he he says things um he says things that make me angry um so i don't know if that's an indication (laughs) right off the bat but here's okay so after she's met him and they've had a few exchanges and there's a moment where she's just like, I was talking to my brother and my brother's like, hey, what do you think about my buddy, Mr. Thorpe? And Catherine was like, well, I normally would answer no, but yeah, he's super great. He's super awesome. Thumbs up. Way to go. So mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. we have some social time. To feel herself slighted by them was very painful. On the other hand, the delight of exploring an edifice like Udolpho at her fancy as her fancy represented Blaze Castle to be, was such a counterpoise of good as might console her for almost anything. They passed briskly down Pultini Street (laughs) and through Laura Place without the exchange of many words. Thorpe talked to his horse, and she meditated by turns on broken promises and broken arches and phaetons and false hangings tyrannies and trapdoors and as they entered the argyle buildings however she was roused by this address from her companion who is that girl on the right hand pavement she must be almost out of sight now catherine looked around and saw miss tilney <gasps> mr tilney's sister he has a sister Gasp. catherine has to be friends with miss tilney she needs to make her her friend so she's trying to make her a friend okay so uh, it is Miss Tilney. How could you... Oh, wait, no, I need to go back. <clears throat> On the right-hand pavement, she must be almost out of sight now. Catherine looked round and saw Miss Tilney leaning on her brother's arm, walking slowly down the street. She saw them both looking back to her. Stop, stop, Mr. Thorpe, she impatiently cried. It's Miss Tilney. It is indeed. How could you tell me they were gone? Stop, stop. I will get out this moment and go to them. But to what purpose did she speak? Thorpe only lashed his horse into a brisker trot. The Tilneys, who had soon ceased to look after her, were in a moment out of sight round the corner of Laura Place. And in another moment, she was herself whisked into the marketplace. Still, however, at during the length of another street, she entreated him to stop. Pray, pray stop, Mr. Thorpe. I cannot go on. I will not go on. I must go back to Miss Tilney. But Mr. Thorpe only laughed, smacked his whip, and encouraged his horse, made odd noises, and drove on. And Catherine, angry and vexed as she was, having no power of getting away, was obliged to give up the point and submit. Her reproaches, however, were not spared. How could you deceive me so, Mr. Thorpe? How could you say that you saw them driving up Lansdowne Road? I would not have had it happen so for the world. 
They must think it so strange, so rude of me to go by them too without saying a word. You do not know how vexed I am. I shall have no pleasure at Clifton, nor anything else, nor in anything else. I just think it was so just what shitty behavior by Mr. Thorpe being like, oh, you wanted to go hang out with um, Mr. Tilney and Miss Tilney, his sister. I definitely saw them walking down the street. So do you want to come in the open carriage with me and drive around? Um, don't mind the people that look exactly like them that we just drove by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was sneaky. So sneaky and, and skeezy. Ugh. Yeah. Such crappy. And it made me feel gross, even though, you know, it didn't like we're not in the most dangerous situation. No. But it felt dangerous. It was disrespectful. Because it was disrespectful. And she did not give consent. Mm -hmm. She didn't feel like she had the opportunity to consent to this. And she felt tricked. Like he played a trick on her. He crossed the line. That was no longer teasing. Like Mm -hmm. that was tricky. Yeah. And like removed her authority and her autonomy from the situation mm-hmm. bad naughty 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 mm-hmm. strike one i don't like that mm-hmm. yeah that's some fuckboy behavior i yeah. would say yeah that's super 100 percent. so let's review for a moment mm-hmm. all of the characters we've talked about yep. and how they're related yep uh, i don't want to keep going because then we're gonna start meeting siblings right so like this is you've just brought up like three of our core characters mm-hmm. right so our main Female protagonist here is Catherine Moreland. Catherine Moreland. So Catherine is our quote unquote heroine. She's the one who's growing up in just this very plain mundane life. Her parents are both alive. There's no tragedy that has struck her. She just lived an ordinary life. She was kind of a tomboy. And now she's starting to blossom into a woman. woman. And she's 17 years old and she's invited by their neighbors, the Allens, to bath for the season. The season. So she's kind of coming out right now. And just like so we all know, like Bath is not a like a giant city. Um, there's probably like a hundred thousand people who live there. Okay. And so it even at the time, like this was probably this wasn't like the grandest society. Like, yes. The Moorlands and the Allens are country folk, as you mentioned. But going to Bath, it's not the same as going to London. Mm-hmm. So this also, like, I, I think just really shows us, again, how Austin is playing with this satire of, you know, the stakes have never been higher. Yes. But really, the bar is pretty low. She's just a chicken <laughs> bath, like, this is just a dancing. mediocre uh, season here. <laughs> she's not Monday well. <laughs> yeah, she's not well known by society. It's a very Ow. small group of people in this our bubble episode. Yes, in our bubble episode, <laughs> which then makes Henry's introduction so much funnier because he knows, like, yeah, this isn't London, dude. Okay, it's Bath. Welcome to Bath. <laughs> How do you find your time in Bath? <laughs> so, okay, so <clears throat> it is in Bath. Uh, Catherine is, of course, the guest of the Allens. So they are all at this, like, party, and that's where we meet Henry for the first time. And Mrs. Allen runs into Mrs. 
Tilney. <laughs> and they are old friends from childhood and they haven't seen each other in like 20 some years. Yeah, yeah. So they're just catching up and like, oh my God, there's my kid over there. There's another one over there. My Whoa. husband's here. Oh, there's another kid over there. Oh my gosh. And so then it comes out that uh, Henry Tilney, right, is the son. And so that's how we're starting to get to know them. Um, but then also we meet the Thorpes. And so uh, they're also a family friend of the Allens. Wait, did I mix that up? I might have. No, you were. Someone's the family friend. I thought it was the Tilneys, but maybe it is the Thorpes. Um, uh, it might be Allen and the Thorpes. Thorpe because it's like she. Okay, so Mrs. Allen is talking to whichever mother. Yeah, whichever mother it is, and she's like, "Oh, my dress is lovely, <laughs> and her dress is lovely." But she's like comparing and comparing and comparing, and then she says. Ah, and she notices that the lace on the woman's dress is just not quite as good as her own. Oh, mm. (laughs) competitive from like your childhood friend. Like, yes, I'm winning. Yeah, I'm winning. How petty. I'm winning in this. Yes. (sighs) But then we also meet the Thorpes because John Thorpe was a college friend of Catherine Moreland's brother, James. Correct. And so that's like how we then we meet the Thorpes as well. And that's then their connection. And it's like, oh, cool. So we don't like know much about John Thorpe, but we know that James Moreland is associated with them. And so we go into that relationship just assuming like, oh, he's a fine dude, whatever. Um, And Isabella is, is, remind me, is she a Tilney or is she a Thorpe? So Isabella and John Thorpe. Okay. So her brother. So it's like Catherine is now developing a super awesome friendship with a girl, but her brother seems like maybe a little bit of a fuckboy. Maybe a little bit maybe of a, a little bit. Yeah. And so we know Miss Tilney and Mr. Tilney. And so I just don't remember what John Tilney's. Everyone just has such normal freaking names. It's These hard. are Henry, all new characters just, for us. All, okay, so but yeah, it's, so she's just Miss Tilney. We're Tilney mapping this out. In, is her name Susan? No, it's no. So Miss Tilney, and then the love interest. So it's, yes, so she's besties with the weenie with sister. Isabella. Mm-hmm. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's Isabella Thorpe, and so Isabella and Catherine are the ones that start bonding because they like. Crepe novels. Yes. And they're like reading crepe novels. Um, I actually did have a uh, a quote that I wanted to read. <gasps> I picked out one <laughs> because I was like, I this was so cute. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so something I loved uh, their friendship and just how they read novels all the time together. It's the cutest thing ever. So one of the things that really uh one of the passages that like really hit me was from the narrator if a rainy morning deprived them of their enjoyments they will still result to meeting in defiance of wet and dirt and shut themselves up to read novels together i just thought that was the coziest oh sweetest most innocent friendship of just yes we're gonna be book buddies and i love the whole vibe they're fangirling oh my god they are fangirling they just want to have someone to yell about the books with yes and just we're all gonna cuddle up on a rainy day 
Maybe there's some apple crisp in the oven for later for yeah. a snack. Yeah. I love this. We're all going to hydrate. I love that whole, yeah, that whole moment. It made it made my heart just go, ooh, squeeze. Oh, uh, me just too. Friendship. And so that just for me really summed up their friendship mm-hmm. and how cute they were. So yeah, that's problematic, right? That it's like, oh my gosh, your new bestie has this like semi-creepy brother. And he's you like don't really he like maybe seems like he's Ugh. hitting on you, but it's really weird. And then and then there was like all of the quarreling that started happening between the families, because then what happened, of course, is just like the most dr- like melodramatic events ever is that everybody's going to parties together. And then sometimes Catherine would dance with Henry and sometimes she would dance with John because she's just there like experiencing society for the first time. What am I to tell my friends if oh you don't dance with me? Yes. He said. And then that everybody's like mm-hmm. you know whining about it uh-huh. and like well what order were you dancing with people with and like you're my girl now it was all just <laughs> you've already done two dances now oh my it's my gosh. turn yeah yep the stakes have never been lower <laughs> <laughs> so outstanding <laughs> so that's in a nutshell the mm-hmm. characters that we're discussing the main families we've got the Morlands, the allens the tilneys and the thorpes Four families that are just intermingling. They're like on the outer rim of uh, country society. Yeah. I mean, like we're maybe in like the suburbs. We've I was going to say, like, we're, the, we're not even in the metro area yeah. yet. Like we've moved just to the suburbs. suburbs. This is like this is like barbecue in your cul-de-sac. It's like market of district. Party. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Somebody maybe rented a tent mm-hmm. and it's like a street party. We put cones on either side. <gasps> we put Stop cones traffic. to close down traffic so everyone can walk in the street. Okay. <sighs> There's going to be fireworks later. <laughs> the Johnsons brought a slip and slide. It's going to rage. <laughs> okay. Block party. <laughs> Bill and Barb brought some good bars. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man, this is a silly book. I love this book. (laughs) All right. So what else do we have to say about this book? Uh, I have a few more moments that we need to talk about. Spooky, spooky. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I'm just going to go through these characters. What's going on? I'm going to fire these moments at you, Morgan, and I just want your response. Right. I think that's a good way to do this because I think we've talked about a lot of the themes and the stuff. But now let's talk about some specific quotes that made me just feel things. All right. Great. Okay. So we now have a moment where Catherine and Isabella and Mr. Thorpe, the possible weenie, they're all planning what they're going to be doing over the next couple days, right? Mm-hmm. And they right. plotted the evening before at the dance. And now it is the next day for them to, like, execute their plans and figure out what they want to do, right? So I am going to read this and then I am going to... Okay. <clears throat> I did not think that you had been so obstinate, Catherine, said James, her brother. You were not used to be so hard to persuade. You once were the kindest, best-tempered of my sister. I hope I am not less so now, she replied very feelingly, but indeed I cannot go. If I am wrong, I am doing what I believe to be is right. So she made plans to go on a walk with... Miss Tilney, the sister of her crush. And so now Mr. Thorpe and Isabella and her brother are like, yo, we totally were talking about doing things last night. 
you totally need to cancel your plans and just come carriaging with us for the day. And so she says, I hope I am not less so now, she replied very feelingly, but indeed I cannot go. If I am wrong, I am not doing what I believe to be right. I am doing what I believe to be right. I suspect, said Isabella in a low voice, there is no great struggle. Catherine's heart swelled. She drew away her arm and Isabella made no opposition. Thus passed a long ten minutes, till they were there again joined by Thorpe, who, coming to them with a gayer look, said, Well, I have settled the matter, and now we may all go tomorrow with a safe conscience. I have been to Miss Tilney and made your excuses. <gasps> you have not, cried Catherine. I have, upon my soul, left her at this moment, told her you had sent me to say that, having just recollected a prior engagement of going to Clifton with us tomorrow. You could not have the pleasure of walking with her until Tuesday. She said very well Tuesday was just as convenient to her. <laughs> I got so mad just at the thought of, like, the Regency-era energy of, like, some dude who is not actually affiliated with Catherine, right? He has an open carriage. We're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Slutting it up around bath. That's bold, man. <laughs> and like, so this random dude comes up and it's like, oh, you are just like trying to make an acquaintance with like this girl you met at a ball. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to go on a walk tomorrow. Cool. And then this random bro shows up and is like, <gasps> Miss Tilney, oh, she can't make it. We're we have plans and she'll can I reschedule her plans with you? The mortification that Catherine feels. She just says, you have not, cried Catherine. But I can feel her, like, panic. Because now she can't call or text her friend. She has to run. <laughs> run to her friend's house and make her excuses in person. And that's what she does. Mm -hmm. She immediately runs off. And it's a very funny few paragraphs of her getting to their home and stumbling in the room and the <laughs> the part that it says is <clears throat> uh <laughs> I am come in a great hurry it was all a mistake I never promised to go I told them from the first I could not go I ran away in a great hurry to explain it I did not care what you thought of me I would not stay for the servant she just busts in runs past the servant bops into the drawing room and is like out of breath it's just these these successions of like random bursts of energy that are happening in front of the Tilneys and it's like sorry Catherine can't go change of plans and it's like oh that's really weird she didn't send a note like that's mm -hmm. so out of custom. Like, that's so out of custom for, like, the social yeah. time. So that just pissed. Henry pissed me off. Yes. Excuse me. John. John. Fuck. John Thorpe. Yeah, I'm going to add that and Henry Tilney. Yes. They both have T names. John Thorpe and Henry mm -hmm. Tilney. Yeah. So John just... just He's trying to play games. He he's just a is. summer boy. He's, he's just a looking, he's, he's just a, a summer, summer boy. boy. <laughs> yeah, it's like I imagine this is like you know the like the country uh like kind of the country club. Does he have resort. salmon shorts on? Oh, definitely. And like two collars. collars. Mm, I know yes. the man. Yes, thank Puka you. Shell necklace. Oh, we just that... needed an equivalency for today. Oh yeah. That is your John Thorpe right, right there. There. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Outstanding. Yes, 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 yes. Outstanding. 
So that's what's happening <laughs> with John's wardrobe. And yeah, it's again like it's skeezy and just how like he's trying to be controlling and it's not cute. It's annoying. It's annoying. And it makes me feel like I'm in danger and I don't like it. It's not okay. Like it's super rude. Ew. Mm-hmm. And also we know, okay, we've read four Austin novels. We are pretty tight with the Regency era customs and social rules. And let me tell you, riding alone in a carriage with somebody of the opposite sex is highly suspicious. Okay? People talk about that. It could be detrimental to your social standing and your reputation. Your reputation. Okay? Lives are ruined. By taking carriage rides with the opposite sex. Yeah. You don't do it. So, like, we know how dangerous that is. And so by him suggesting that, it's a red flag. It's a red flag. And him talking about just, like, oh, I'm driving around seeing all these ladies and talking about schedules. And no. No one is talking to you about that. Get out. Butt out here, sir. Get out of here. You're not my daily Mind planner. your own beeswax. So I need I to. Like it. I need to talk about that moment that you said because I liked Catherine's inner thoughts with this one, because um, it talks about yeah, Mister Allen is like, uh, uh, so she's just telling them like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go on an adventure tomorrow, and Mister Allen caught at it directly. Well, said he, and do you think of going too? No, I had just engaged myself to walk with Miss Tilney before they told me of it, and therefore you knew I could not go with them. No, certainly not. And I am glad you do not think of it. These schemes are not at all the thing. Young men and women driving about the country in an open carriage? Now and then it's very well, but going to inns and public places together? It's not right. And I wonder Miss Thorpe should allow it. I am glad you do not think of going. I am sure Miss Moreland would not be pleased. Miss Allen, are you not of my way of thinking? Do you not think these kinds of projects objectionable? Yes, very so indeed. Open carriages are nasty things. A clean gown is not five minutes wear in them. You are splashed getting in and getting out, and the wind takes your hair and your bonnet in every direction. I hate an open carriage myself. (laughs) Then he says... I know you do, but that is not the question. Do you not think it has an odd appearance of young ladies are frequently driven about in them by young men by whom they are not even related? Yes, my dear, very odd indeed. I cannot bear to see it. So then Catherine's like, why did you not tell me before? I'm sure that if I had known it to be improper, I would not have gone with Mr. Thorpe at all. But I had always hoped that you would tell me if you thought I was doing wrong. So Miss Allen talks for another minute. And then the last paragraph of this um, this chapter is Catherine submitted and though sorry to think that Isabella should be doing her wrong, felt v- greatly relieved by Mr. Allen's approbation of her own conduct and truly rejoiced to be preserved by his advice from the danger of falling into such an error herself. Her escape from being one of the party to Clifton was now an escape indeed. For what would the Tilneys have thought of her if she had broken her promise to them in order to do what was wrong in itself? If she had then, if she had been guilty of one breach of propriety only to enable her to be guilty of another. 
It's like, ooh, she could have open carriage and offended them. Mm. Thank goodness. Thank mm. goodness. And I love that, like, and love hate. Mrs. Allen is just like, oh, yeah, I promised your mother that I was going to watch out for you, whatever. And Catherine's like, why didn't you tell me that that was not okay? I had no idea. I'm not right. from around here. I'm from the country. Open carriages, I don't know. And she's just like, well, you know, I I thought that, you know, you can still make some choices for yourself. And it's like, but what is it? Which is it? Like, are you a safe person to come to that I can actually trust for you to tell me the truth and what's okay? Or are you really just interested in what your wardrobe is? How, if your dress is going to survive the night, if it's going to get a tear and comparing yourself. She's just very, mm-hmm. very um, surface. Very surface and unaware of other people's, besides the consequences of like, well, people are going to talk about you, but that's not much my business. Mm -hmm. She's just making sure that she's safe, I guess. Like, doesn't fall down a well. I don't know. Yeah. And Catherine, she's naive. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the first time she's, she's going to parties. And so, and we know from previous Austin novels that we've read is there's always a trusted chaperone and it's a very big deal when a family sends their daughter uh into a city or a larger town and it's always talked about she's going with relatives or these are really good friends that the family knows it's somebody that they trust to look after their daughter and escort her through and help her navigate uh being in a city for the first time yeah so yeah like what the heck what the heck, yeah. Mrs. Allen? Like, you are being, she's vapid, man. She just is, yeah, not paying attention to anything. Oh, my gosh. She brought, you know, eight suitcases to the resort, and they're all filled with the latest fashions. She went shopping. She went online shopping for, like, three weeks before they left. <laughs> that was her only thing she was yeah, doing. Yeah, she's a yes. whole new wardrobe. And she's just trying to one-up everybody. She's keeping up with the Joneses. And and it, I think it's probably more exciting for her that she can tell the story mm-hmm. that she, you know, brought a neighbor's, you know, young daughter into society for the first time. But she's not taking any of the responsibilities seriously. She's not present. <laughs> no. She's, no. <laughs> totally unaware no. of, like, she's what her role is. Living in her own... <laughs> Her own, I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Oh my gosh. I okay, so I there's been something on my mind that I have to mention. Get into it. So you brought up Twilight at the very beginning <laughs> of this episode. And I just have to point out to you that I literally have a note here that says comparing to Twilight. <gasps> Stop it. Because I literally was also comparing this to Twilight. And I don't know, Catherine, just her she just sounds a lot like Bella Swan to me. Just this like heroine who's just plain and unextraordinary, just like your average everyday person. Dude, like you've yes. known. Yeah, like you could just like she's been in your class. She sat next to you. Like that it's your everyday there. girl. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just like these extraordinary things that are happening to happening to her because they're like everyday kind of uh regular human experiences of like growing up and falling in love for the first time like they're significant things but it's also just like seen through kind of this lens like this very dramatic lens you know like everybody's a vampire and it just fall in love with a boy he's a vampire boy and everyone's everything's shot through this blue lens a vampire boy (laughs) and so it just like yeah it just very much like reads this way to me where yeah we just have this very naive 
young character who's trying to figure out who they are and what their place is in society. What's their role here? But also it's just told in this like really funny way that's like poking fun a little bit. And like all of it. All of it. The circus of all of it. Yep. It's just like poking fun at all of the novels that Jane Austen has already written and spent such detail in describing societal rules and the norms and the complexities of courtship. And it's just like she's poking fun at it now and just like, oh, my gosh, isn't that silly? Like, look at this dude. Look at that dude. Look at her over there. We're nerds. (laughs) The nerds. Nerds. Yeah, and it is kind of because also normally we have like I'm thinking about, you know, everybody's always like peacocking for each other when they're courting. And we've seen a lot of characters display talents, right? Mm -hmm. We have Marianne was an incredible singer. And so she was always singing for people. Um, Emma was talented kind of at everything. And so she she was just always doing everything. (laughs) She's painting. She's playing the pianoforte. She's telling stories. She's saying jokes. Uh, she's making small talk. She's good at it all. Um, but then we also have, you know, people like Lizzie Bennett, who was a little <laughs> bit more sharp, and she definitely liked to read. A little rough around the edges. Yeah. But an athletic still... person. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of takes it even further. Like, it's just like all of these characters they're just kind of all a little geeky. Like they're just all book nerds. Like, and the narrator mentions it where it's just like, yeah, they don't have a lot of talents. And like normally ladies would showcase like their fine needlework or how great they were at the piano forte and they're drawing, you know, like, yeah, they're drawing. And there's like a scene where, uh, Catherine does learn a little bit how to draw and she like starts learning. (laughs) But she just, yeah, like, she's not accomplished in any way. She's just, like, too busy being a person and just, like, reading. But then she finds, again, like, her nerdy people who, Mm -hmm. like, that's what they're into as well. I'm just, I'm really identifying with this. We found the nerds. Uh, I I just feel like I belong in this book with these people. So I want to read a part about, uh, is it Udolfo or Udolfo? Um, So... That's a great question. Cool. I'm going to use them both because I think that I've already done that so far. I had been saying Udolfo. (laughs) Udolfo. So at the beginning part of the book, they Mm -hmm. are talking about Udolfo in the group. Isabella's there. Uh, Mr. John Thorpe is there. And he's talking about all of the great many books he's read and all of the authors that he likes. And he's like, oh, I like her and her and her and this author and this author. And we as the readers know that it's like some of these female authors. Mm -hmm. And then Catherine says something like, oh, have you read Udolfo? And he's like, Udolfo, I do not read novels of the sort, blah, 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 blah. I only read things like um, whoever the author is. Let's say it's Reynolds. Reynolds. Her stuff is filled with loveliness and nature and whatever. And Catherine's like, Udolfo is written by Reynolds or whatever that author's name is. And there's just a moment of like, oh, are you serious? Doesn't actually know what he's talking about. He's not a fan. No. But then, then um, near the end of the first half of our book, we have a moment of figuring uh, or learning, I would say. This is where they, the Tilneys show up for their walk with Catherine. 
So she's just like stoked, right? She gets to walk around with this girl that she's trying to be friends with and her crush. And her cute, cute brother of her new best friend. So they're walking up a hill whose beautiful verdure and hanging coppice render it so striking an object from almost every opening and bath. I just like that sentence. Okay, here's where I start. I never look at it, said Catherine, as she walked along the side of the river without thinking of the south of France. You have been abroad then, said Henry, a little surprised. Oh, no, I only mean that I have I have read about. It always puts me in the mind of the country that Emily and her father traveled through in The Mysteries of Udolfo. But you never read novels, I dare say. Why not? Because they are not clever enough for you. Gentlemen read better books. The person, be it gentleman or lady, who has not the pleasure in a good novel must be intolerably stupid. I have read all of Miss Radcliffe's works, and most of them with great pleasure. The Mysteries of Udolfo, when I had once begun it, I could not lay down, lay down again. I remember finishing it in two days, my hair standing on end the whole time. Yes, added Miss Tilney, and I remember, this is some sibling energy right here, which is why I <laughs> needed to read it. Okay, it so is. It's so cute. Every, I just feel like this is just so relatable when there's a new book that comes out. This was like me and the Harry Potter books in my home. It was just like we only had mm -hmm. one copy. Mm -hmm. All right. Yes, added Miss Tilney. And I remember that you undertook to read it aloud to me, that when I was called away for only five minutes to answer a note, instead of waiting for me, you took the volume into Hermitage Walk, and I was obliged to stay till you had finished it. Thank you, Eleanor. A most honorable testimony you see miss morland the injustice of your suspicions here was i in my eagerness to get on refusing to wait only five minutes for my sister breaking the promise i had made of reading it aloud and keeping her in suspense at a most interesting part by running away with the volume which you are to observe was her own particularly her own I am proud when I reflect on it, and I think it must establish me in your good opinion. <laughs> Hello, Henry. Get out of here. So literate. So worldly. Oh, my gosh. Good relationship with a sibling. Has a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> Just this, uh, actually, <laughs> I do read <laughs> I mean, the sass. It's also just, isn't that so stereotypical? It's like you have the stereotypical, mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, jock energy, right? He's way into his horse. He's way into carriages. Yeah. He's way into all of the finery and the whatever. And he does not read this type of book, this mm -hmm. type of trash. And then you have, like, the weird kids who are like, yeah, no, I definitely read that. I read that twice mm -hmm. last summer. Yeah, I did reserve Breaking Dawn on pre-order. Actually. Actually. Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> Midnight Sun. Um I the the parallels oh, between man. and this is this is what you said at the beginning of the parallels between other books and stories yes. and tropes. 
this is just so I didn't expect this from this book. That's I think what I feel is just that's my overarching no no umbrella idea. statement is like I burst out laughing so many times and not in a way where like I did in Sense and Sensibility because that I felt was a little bit more of a somber book, even though there were funny moments. You know, it was just it had a different tone. It is a serious book. It's it's just a serious book. It's yes. different circumstances. But like we've had our women in like almost poverty. Right. Mm-hmm. We have had our from pro- poverty to riches. We've had um, from like general middle classness to extreme wealth. Mm-hmm. And we have had um, extreme wealth and just like. I mean, Mr. Knightley, Emma, like extreme wealth and then like the normal guy. But like in this situation, Mm -hmm. we have like the country girl and like this funny, quirky guy. Like there's not they're not talking about his fortune. They're not talking about his position, his inheritance. Mm -mm. It's just like he's just some dude. We're talking about books. It's just like we're hanging out and talking about books. Nerds. (laughs) Nerds. Hey, you want to look at my pogs? <laughs> yes. I'll trade you Pokemon cards. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, I'm relating so hard. And I agree. I just, I was not expecting this. I wasn't expecting this at all. And so uh, all I knew was Northanger Abbey. And I'm like, an Abbey is like, you know, where nuns are. And so maybe we'll meet some nuns. But right now we're in Bath. And we're in Bath. And you we're know just what? Having social time. There's been no fucking mention of Northanger Abbey. I don't even oh. know what the hell it no, is. They talked about a castle in here. There's a mention of a castle. And yep, that's a mention what, of a castle. That's what she um got, that's what Catherine thought they were gonna go on the carriage ride, and then later she's like, Oh, they didn't even make it to the castle. Okay, that's great. I'm I glad I didn't even do it. Love her obsession with castles. Yes, in here. And I'm like, all yes, she wants let's to go do. to some fucking castles, man. <sighs> let's go to old castles. Oh my gosh, it's so spooky. I love that. What is her obsession? It's just she thinks it's like romantic mm-hmm. and it is. Mm-hmm. I'm it's, here for it. It's like I wanted to just go hang out at Hogwarts. You know, I'm just yeah. so like it's just you get so mm-hmm. into the specific flavor that your book is. And it's just yeah. like she is living this like gothic romance vibe right now. Like all of her feelings mm-hmm. are feelings of like intrigue and mystery and what have you. And like. Then all of a sudden, out of left field, near the end of the half of the book, we have um, a little bit of a surprise from John Thorpe. Yeah, we sure do. Before he heads out of town. So this is just um, another contender for Mm. weenie weenie (laughs) fuckboy of of the month. Yep. Is he the fuckboy of (laughs) the novel? So he is Hmm. heading out to London, right? He's going to be heading out to London. And it's just like... I I still am deciding like what level of weenie his accent is. Like, are we at like an eight or not? Is it really like, <clears throat> well, Miss Moreland? Is it like that? Is it really like in there? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Keep going with that one. I like that. <laughs> well, Miss Moreland said he on finding her alone <laughs> in the parlor. I am come to bid you goodbye. Catherine wished him a good journey. Without appearing to hear her, he walked to the window, fidgeted about, hummed a tune, and seemed wholly self-occupied. "'Shall not you be late at the devises?' said Catherine. He made no answer, 
but after a minute's silence burst out with, A famous good thing, this marrying scheme, upon my soul. Oh, BT dubs. Isabella and her brother are in love, and so they're going to get married. But they we can sure talk about are. that next time. That's probably going to be a plot point in the they second half of the book. sure are. So they're in love. And Surprise. So the talk of the town is that, oh my gosh, Catherine's brother and Isabella are in love. Okay. Mm-hmm. A famous good thing, this marrying scheme, upon my soul. A clever fancy of Moreland's and Bell's. What do you think of it, Miss Moreland? I say... It is no bad notion. I'm very sure I think it's a good one. Do you? That's honest by heavens. I am glad you are no enemy to matrimony, however. Did you ever hear the old song, Going to one wedding brings on another? I say, you will come to Belle's wedding, I hope. Yes, I have promised your sister to be with her, if possible. And then you know twisting himself about and forcing a foolish laugh. I say, then you know, we may try the truth of the time. We may try the truth of this time old song. May we? But I never sing. Well, I wish you a good journey. I dine with Miss Tilney today and must now be going home. Nay. But there is no such confounded hurry. Who knows when we may be together again? Not but that I shall be down again by the end of a fortnight, and a devilish long fortnight it will appear to me. Then why do you stay away so long? replied Catherine, finding that he waited for an answer. That's kind of you. However, kind and good-natured, I shall not forget it in a hurry, but you have more good nature and all that than anybody living, I believe, a monstrous deal of good nature, and it is not only good nature, but you have so much, so much of everything, and and then you have such, upon my soul, I do not know anybody like you. Oh, dear, there are a great many people like me, I dare say, only a great deal better. Good morning to you. But I say, Miss Moreland, I shall come and pay my respects at Fullerton before long, if it's not disagreeable. Pray do. My father and mother will be very glad to see you. And I hope, I hope, Miss Moreland, you will not be sorry to see me. Oh dear, not at all. There are very few people I am sorry to see. Company is always cheerful. That is just my way of thinking. Give me but a little cheerful cheerful company. Let me only have the company of the people I love. Let me only be where I like and with whom I like, and the devil take the rest, say I. I am heartily glad to hear you say the same. But I have a notion, Miss Moreland, that you and I think pretty much alike upon most matters. Perhaps we may, but it is more than I have ever thought of. And as to most matters to say, there are not many that I know my own mind about. Look at her trying to defuse this whole situation. Like, he is just coming at her from all sides. Like, hey, girl, let's be more acquainted. Can I come up to your parents' estate? Can we, uh, can we do some hanging Thor. out? What ah! a loser. He is just so up in her business. Oh, my gosh. It's also he doesn't have the words. Like, he is trying to say literally anything, and he spent this whole book talking at her. He spent this whole book talking at her in his carriage, and so when he's trying to be like, wow, I like these things about you, he doesn't actually have words about that. Yeah. He just has the feelings in his weenie little 
Regency fuckboy heart. And also, like, he spends time in London. So he knows, like, he he knows. He knows. He gets it. He, he knows. Gets it. He knows what's up. He knows what's up. He knows yeah. what he's doing. He knows how society works. He knows the rules of courtship. Mm-hmm. He's been around, literally. And so it just, this whole scene aggravates me as well. Because I'm like, you... John, you know what you're doing. You and he can loser, see, stop it. He can see that Catherine likes someone else. Like, he can see it with his eyes. And she keeps on being like, yeah, I'm hanging yeah. out with his sister. Like, I'm busy, beach. <sighs> what a dork. He doesn't even read books. What Does, good is he? He doesn't even read. <laughs> My gosh, he doesn't even know Anne Radcliffe. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, he's just... <sighs> and, and again, I mean, I think of... Our Regency era fuckboys, if I'm like talking a meter or a grade, um, ones that were way worse. You know, as of yet, he's not impregnated anybody. No. He's not running off with anybody. He's no Elton. He's not, yeah, he's not forcibly mm. kissing anybody. Mm-hmm. And so he's just teasing and taking it too far i think in the future we <sighs> and, I, will and need, it's still inappropriate we're gonna need to I rank like it we're gonna need to rank the fuck boys oh for we sure abs- we will in the future once we, we once will. we meet them all we will I agree. do that because you just brought up some good thoughts and now i'm thinking well shit we're where where's my but opinions not, on that's, this yeah and that's not me i'm not like making excuses for his behavior or saying like oh my god it's not as bad it's not as bad as you think it is it, it could still be still is bad yeah it's not okay but what is just interesting and why i bring that up is from my perspective having again reading this novel after having read four of austin's previous works and And just the maturity level is different like the maturity of the material is different the actions the interactions with the characters the conflict Mm -hmm. yes and so it's just a little bit different yeah mr elton especially like chills still yeah this is what Catherine's experiencing and she's experiencing mortification at being misled by a few people not being told the truth by Miss Allen that she shouldn't be riding around in that open carriage. Mm-hmm. And for John um, telling mistruths to the Tilneys twice and making Catherine look like a weenie, it's just there's a lot of vulnerability that she's being exposed to really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't negate her experience just because it wasn't as bad. It's This is Catherine's experience, and this is a lot to deal with for a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. She's a country girl. Living in a bath world. (laughs) Living in a bath world. Yes. And, you know, going back to the tone again where, yeah, it's not the most serious of situations, um, but there is that tone of danger and just like the melodrama that drips. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're building to something because like we learned that there is this love that is happening and we get some moments with Isabella where she's like confessing how she feels. And so now there's this wedding coming up that we're because this is a volume one and volume two book. So we've read volume one or the first half Mm -hmm. and chapter 16 starts volume two. And so I'm excited to see what just 
the flavor of the second half of this book is going to be. Oh, me too. Because what's the conflict? Like now, oh, me too. Now John Thorpe is leaving for London for a while. Yep. And her brother and Isabella are James. Thank you, mm-hmm. my brain. Isabella James. And James. James Moreland. Mm-hmm. And so they're now courting and whatever. And so I feel like we're almost like at a pause or like us as a reader, like get to take a deep breath because, okay, we're not dealing with John Thorpe right now. We're mm-hmm. okay with the Tilneys. And now there's this, the Allens. That's really disappointing that they didn't tell us the thing. But wow, we learned something about ourselves and we have the opportunity to be aware of what our behavior should be. And so now she's taking these new lessons. Mm-hmm into the second half of this book yeah you're right there is a transition Uh, here uh, we're going we're going into into some different content i mean we have to be going to northanger abbey because what the fuck is northanger abbey we're not we literally haven't been there people no it's not been mentioned in the book we haven't talked about it. Where is we it? don't know where it is. Who owns it? Who owns it? Is there a parsonage? I don't know. There's no way to know. Is it a book that comes up later? Who knows? <laughs> but like, I'm assuming. <laughs> How meta can we get? That's my assumption. Yeah. Is that the next half of the book, it's got to be, we got to get to Northanger Abbey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. Stay tuned. I'm excited to find out. Have some more horrid stories. It's the most horrid story yet absolutely horrible oh my goodness wow well great let's wrap this one up this has been great outstanding I who knew so much to talk about that 115 or so pages would be almost a chewy two-hour episode i'm just in a dazed <laughs> state right now and i can't wait to finish this you binged this today like this journey just started for you and i have been simmering in this for like two weeks just like Mm -hmm. feeling all the feelings so i'm glad we're on the same page again (gasps) wow oh and i just like spooky season has begun for me yeah i started watching yeah we celebrate early my uh spooky movie lineup already i'm just like getting through them and so this was a welcomed addition when I just started getting, getting it, it's like oh, this it's is like a oh yeah, book. yeah. It's a little, it's a little spooky and it's silly. <laughs> love that, love that for me in this season. <laughs> mm, yes. Well, Sam, uh, we will be back next week with a best buds episode. Yes, we're gonna talk all about our plants. Plants, 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 plants. Uh, yeah, love plants. And we will be back with another book nook uh, the fourth week of October. And so it'll truly be spooky season. We're going to conclude Northanger Abbey. <gasps> Yee, talk spooky. about the last 15 yeah. chapters. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait. I cannot wait. Mm. Yes. Well, thanks for being here, Sam. Listeners, hope you learned some stuff. Hope you had a good time and we'll see you next week. Love and abundance, friends. Bye.